Welcome to Oz Rock Rated, the podcast that takes Australian rock bands, catalogues and ranks them in order, worst to best, according to us. I'm Ben, and with me is Sam. G'day, everybody. This is Oz Rock Rated. Yes! Welcome back to Oz Rock Rated. Finally, we're back in the Fatback Studios. Welcome. But before we get started, we wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that we're recording this podcast on, the Wadjuk people of the Perth region wish to acknowledge and respect their continuing culture and the contribution they make to the life of this city and this region. And today's episode, of course, I think, did we hint at it in the last one? I can't even remember. It was that long ago. How long ago was it? About six months ago? Jeez, we've been busy. (laughs) You've been busy with Australia Post and I've been busy learning songs. Um, Well, it's, it's the Hoodoo Gurus. Well, actually, I shouldn't say the Hoodoo Gurus. It's Hoodoo Gurus. No, the. Well, it used to be kind used to, of used Lee. to be le le, but uh, it's a common mistake. People always say the hoodoo gurus, like like the eagles. Oh the, yeah, the it's eagles, just the eagles, it's isn't just it? Just eagles, but whoever says eagles, oh, eagles. Good. Can you yeah. play any eagles songs? Oh, sounds weird, doesn't it? No, that sounds. Can right you in play that eagles? Do you like eagles? <laughs> can you play? Can you play hoodoo gurus songs, mate? Sounds a bit weird. You can say the if you want. I'm not gonna. Look down on anyone for saying the hoodoo. I'm gurus. just pointing out. I'm just being precise because that's what we're all about here at Oz Rock Rated. Is that's right. Accuracy. Although I did, uh, I bought myself a little book about Midnight Oil about two specific albums, Red Sales and um, Ten to One, mm-hmm. and um, just about those. And realised that our last episode on Midnight Oil may have contained a couple of inaccuracies. Oh my but, God! What were they? Oh, I Should can't we remember. correct them? No, now? I was going to write them down and do an amendment, but I thought nobody cares. No, it's just all off the cuff, isn't it? None of this is scripted. It's all just our feelings. You can't yeah. be wrong. You can't go wrong with feelings. So how'd you go with Hoodoo Gurus? Well, they're not one of my favourite bands. Let's just preface that. Um, they're not something. They're not my go-to. They're not a go-to band of mine. It's funny. Ever since we did the Midnight Oil uh, I was just episode, say. they're my number one go-to uh, band. I tried for years to get you to listen to Midnight Oil, and you and you just resisted and resisted. And then Ozark raided to the rescue. Now that's what you won't shut up about them. Well, isn't that the beauty of this podcast? And I, I know, I know for a fact that it's getting people into. Uh, Bands, catalogs, and and uh, so maybe some of the listeners out there, maybe it's uh, having the same effect on you. Well, I think it is. We've had a, ni- a couple of nice messages from, from we listeners. What? Yeah, haven't we? What we've uh, got a few new friends. It's just wonderful. We're starting to get a little Oz Rock rated um, community together. Well, uh, and it was a bit of a synchronicity, or what? Are they? Yeah, I think synchronicity is the right word. Where we we got the chance to go and see Midnight Oil. And the Friday, the couple of days before that, I went and saw, you didn't come to that one because you had a gig, but I went and saw Hoodoo Gurus out at the amphitheatre and both terrific shows, but I've got to say, Midnight Oil, holy shit. Oh, that's probably, it's in my top three for sure. Top three shows. What a band. Anyway, Hoodoo Gurus today. Uh, formed. There's a few conflicting stories about the formation of Hoodoo Gurus, and Wikipedia is very vague about the whole thing, but I've done, dug deep and done some research, and it seems that they were formed officially in Sydney in 1981, as, as you said, La Hoodoo Gurus. Yeah, well, this is interesting. I always thought they were a Perth band. No, well, see, Dave's from Perth. And so was James. Or was he? No. No. Well, well, yeah, kind of, in a roundabout sort of way. Well, he's in Perth now, but anyway, sorry. Go but, on. Uh, uh, yeah, so formed in 81. That was with 
uh, Roddy Roddy Radal, I think is, is how you pronounce his name. R A D A L J. So I think it's Radal, but he called himself Roddy Radar for a little bit, uh, as in Radar. And Kimball Rendell. Uh, now there were a, a, a three guitar band with no drums and no bass. Oh, which was a little bit strange. <laughs> but then, uh, of course, as you say, they they brought um, James Baker on board. And then dropped the L and became just straight out Hoo Gurus in around 1982, I think that was. And then uh, there was a, a bit of a bust up down the track. And before they released their first album, both Roddy and Kimball left the band and they recruited Brad Shepard, who was in a band called The Hitmen, who were wildly popular in Sydney at the time. And uh, his flatmate at the time was a guy called Richard Grossman, who who joined on bass. Ah, uh, sorry, uh, Clyde Bramley, yeah. the first bass player. Rick was later, wasn't he? Yeah, and so then he they would have been playing with the vinyls around this time. Yeah, that's right. So it was James Baker, Brad Shepard, Rick Grossman, uh, Clyde Bramley, Clyde Bramley, and Dave Faulkner were the the original uh, Hoodoo Gurus that put out their first album in 1983, I think it was. But we'll get into the albums in a minute. But yeah, a bit of a weird history as far as, like you say, Dave was a big shot around Perth. He played in a band called the, uh, oh, what were they called? They had a, a bit of a popular single back in the late 70s, I think. Uh, I'll get to that. I'll find it in yeah, a minute. Yeah, because I always thought, it, like it's... um. I never really thought of them as an '80s band, like because they're, they're firmly '80s and through through to today. But yeah, you always think of back when some of those old film clips and that that they were a '70s band. But um, yeah, I suppose no, no, no. Oh, the victims. That was it. The victims. James yeah. James Baker was in the victims. So yeah, he was around Perth at that time, right? Uh, and, and was that that Kim Salmon sort of scene, like yes. the scientists and all that sort of thing? Well, well, Roddy and Kimball were both in the scientists right. briefly, I think, as well. Yeah, there's a whole little there's a there's a little clique uh, revolving around Kim Salmon and Dave Faulkner and Brad Shepard, uh, those three in particular. But there's a kind of a little of a, uh, um, a what, what's that word? A, a musical um, uh, overlap. You're a bit rusty, mate. No, I'm trying to think of a specific word. I can't think of it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, the victims and they had a they had a single called Television Addict, which is a fantastic song, and the Hoodoo Gurus of have covered that They've since. Covered that, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, so that was there, and then yeah, the, there wasn't enough work in Perth at the time, unless you were a cover band, and so they they f- flew off to Sydney, and and that's where it all began. There was another band called the Mannequins too, I think, that Dave was involved in. Uh, then they broke up in 1998. Uh, a couple of lineup changes along the way, and then reformed in two, 2003. But they recorded we'll, who? Album in between then, didn't they? When they were still officially broken up. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get into that. It's a bit strange, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, I suppose they had lots of little side projects and stuff going on. I know Dave did. Yeah. With Kim Salmon, I think, didn't he, later on? He did. Antenna was one of them. But we'll get into the individual history as we go along, as as is our usual fashion. Uh, Righto, let's go. Number 10. Number 10. You go first. Okay. As I usually do, I had to put Chariot of the Gods, which is their latest album. Me too. I just couldn't get into it. I tried. I'll tell you what, I have rarely, rarely, and I've been disappointed in albums a lot over the years, and I've rarely been more disappointed with an album than this one. I'm sorry to start off on a 
on a, a negative down, note. Downer. Yeah, but you got to put something at number 10, and this thing is firmly entrenched at my number 10. Well, 10 albums, by the way, 10 studio albums. Yeah, 10 albums. studio albums, a couple of compilations. I remember that Gorilla Biscuits from when I was a kid. But uh, anyway, yeah, The Chariot of the Gods, I remember there was a big hoopla about it saying they had a spring in their step and it was the best stuff they'd ever done, and they were debuting it. Um, with a live performance, I think, from Damien Gerard's studios there on the Central Coast. And uh, I forgot to watch it, but <laughs> I don't know. If, if they were just performing that album, I probably would have been a bit disappointed. But I really, really yeah. tried too with this album because I was really excited about it because I thought, you know, like you said, I'd read all well, the Well, you went and- to their show, didn't you? And so you're expecting a few off the new album? Well, they, no, this was before I went oh. and saw them. Only saw him a couple of months ago. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So this did was, they play anything they, off the new album? They did too and, much, and no, only a few. But they do translate better live. I must admit. Oh, the songs. Yeah, yeah. this was recorded by uh, Wayne Connolly, who's oh. very famous, and Ed Stasium mixed it. Ed Stasium's a long, uh, long time collaborator with the gurus, as we call them here in Australia. Well, most people do. We tend to shorten things here. Chisel gurus oils. Uh, Aussie Crawl. Who else have we done? Who else have we done? Mentals. Mentals. <laughs> we don't pronounce the L though. Mentals. 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 No, you don't pronounce the T. Mentals. Oh, Mentals. <laughs> <laughs> you like Mentals, mate? <laughs> fucking oh, if I fucking like fucking Mentals. Uh, Chariot of the Gods is their 10th album, as we said, released uh, 11th of March 2022. And uh, I think it was Brad Shepard who'd been quoted as to saying that it was a career defining album for them. And I. I fell for it hook, line and sinker and I just can't like it. I can't. Yeah, not it's, much going for it. I think there's a song called Equinox on it which was about the closest I got to and I think that was a Brad Shepard song which we'll get into later with yeah. my thoughts and feelings about them. But um, <coughs> yeah. uh, No, all oh, tracks written by Dave Faulkner. Oh, by Dave Faulkner. Well, maybe that's one of the problems on it. No, mm. no, no, we'll get into that. Oh, here uh, we go. See, now we're slowly <laughs> peeling the egg. Yeah, so that was my number ten as well. We'll um, we'll right, just right, leave that off. where it. We'll let it let it lie, huh? Maybe who knows? In ten years, I might li- accidentally listen to it and I will like it because that has happened before. But yeah, yeah, as know. it stands, nah. Number yeah, nine. Number nine. I've got Blue Cave. Blue Cave. Hmm. Sam. See, this is what the other beauty of uh, Oz that's Rock extraordinary. Rating. That's really yeah. That's a very strange rating. Well. Let me okay, start. Well, yeah, let me t- tell tell me what you didn't like about I it. I absolutely hate the sound of it. <laughs> I, it's like it's like there's a doona over the speakers, and then I'm looking through the credits, and there he is, Kevin Bloody Shirley, number one. Yeah, yeah, enemy number one, the caveman. Well, you know what? One of my first notes on the I've obviously got it a lot higher than you, but one of my first notes says. Uh, the Kevin Shirley mix sounds really claustrophobic, so yeah, I do well, agree with you there. there you go, see? Well, that's good. That's good, because yeah. I thought, oh, surely I can't dislike an album just because of the mix, but here I am. Here we are. And it's got, of course, it's got that Waking Up Tired song, which I don't mind, but it's got the stupidest song they've ever done, is that Mind the Spider. You don't like Mind the Spider? Oh. Are you kidding? God, there's better novelty songs than that, isn't there? 
around. Well, that's Might another. Might as well bloody I've, record a bloody co- <laughs> cover of Shut Up of Your Face. So you got it on there as saying that's why you like the I've album. Got a, I've got a whole section about Mind the Spider <laughs> and whether or not it's a piss take or not. Oh, jeez, I don't know. I just couldn't get into it. Well, like, oh. like I said, I just couldn't get past the mix to start with. All right, well, let's, let's stop that yeah, there yeah, then and we'll can. talk about it later. So I've got that at nine. Well, my number nine is Purity of Essence. Yeah, well, I've got that close. I've got that at number eight. It's it, a shame, this album. There's interesting guitar lines that are just getting buried in the mix. This is from 2010, so a yeah. long time between drinks between their ninth and 10th album, which explains why I was so excited about Chariot of the Gods. But, uh, yeah, the purity... I mean, this one uh, was... There was a, a fair little while in between this one and the previous album to this, which I think was... Uh, eight, eight years or something Mark like Shell. that. Mark yeah, the six years. So um, I don't actually remember this one coming out, but I did buy it on CD and I was not happy. Um, Ed Stasium again uh, on production duties. Uh, just the, the songs just aren't there. And it seems like mm. it's overblown. Like there's there's 16 songs on it for a start, which is way too long for Oh, a, I was going to say, there's album. way too many songs. 16 songs. Way too many. It should, should be... And the 13 tops. I do agree with you about the, not, not so much as the, I don't think the production buries the guitar, because um, if you can take one thing out of Hoodoo Guru's albums is that if you're a guitar player or a guitar music lover, then it's got that in spades, because both Dave and Brad are superb guitar players, Brad in particular, but I think the it's the all of the crap they've layered on top on this album, yes. the horns and the... There's keyboards and all kinds of crap all over it, and it's just not, I don't know, maybe it, it could be bias in me as well when I hear things like this and I say, that's not the hoodoo gurus. Should we just have a quick little listen to something and then that might help explain what I'm trying to talk about a bit better. Just one second, I'll put something on. That's the best song on the album, I reckon, in my honest opinion. It wasn't the single or anything like that, but you can hear the guitars there. It almost sounds like they forgot to put the microphone on. They're a bit distant and a bit weird sounding, I thought. Yeah, and that, that song to me just doesn't have the hooks that the Hoodoo Gurus are uh, renowned for. There's no, I don't know, it's just such a pedestrian melody and... Hmm. I don't know. And the, that's the, the best one on the album. Well, the big single from this one was Cracking Up, yeah. which which has been included on a few of the more recent compilation albums, which I don't understand because it's just not a very good song at all. Yeah, well, that was the one I was thinking. There's, Like I said, there's some interesting stuff there, but it's just getting buried underneath like the nank, nank, like the kind of, you know, the... the the um, big wall of guitars or whatever. I don't know. I like a little bit more intricate guitar work. It's a, it's a little bit uh, reminiscent of that era too. The the late 
Ought. <laughs> Are we allowed to say oughts on yeah, the yeah. podcast? Well, the tens. <laughs> and the tens and the teens. <laughs> but that was like, uh, that, to me, that, uh, that song's a little bit reminiscent of a, you know, living colour kind of, a jank, 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 you know, that kind of. Well, it's funny you should mention that because Ed Stasium, of course, is the guy behind Living Colour. Not Living Colour, Living End. Ah. Uh, Fuck. Living End. Well, well they've you know got some. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was that album, Modern Artillery or whatever that came out yeah. by The Living End? And I love The Living well, End. Me too. I love that album, but they make it work a bit better than this. Yeah, just with massive big hooks and things like yeah. that. But yeah, this didn't didn't impress me at all. Sorry, yeah. sorry, boys. That's Sorry, boys. That's two downers in a row. I know. Number. I know. So you had that at eight. Eight. All you right. had that at what? I had it at nine. Nine. All right. Okay. So what's your number eight? Number eight, Purity of Essence. Yeah. Right, so we're up to number. Oh, no, so my, sorry. Where'd you have it? Eight. My number eight. Okay. Yeah. Is that? A, have we missed one of yours? No. No. Okay. Uh, my number eight. This may be a little controversial. I think you might have this one a bit higher than me. Yeah. Kinky. No way. Kinky from nineteen ninety one had a, a couple of massive songs on it, but wow. to me, this like if. I, I kind of wish Purity of Essence and Chariot of the Gods, I wish they had it broken up around, you know, the end of, like around 2000 so I could put this at the bottom because I hate this album. <laughs> really? Yeah, but I couldn't put it lower because obviously it's got it's got a couple of huge hits, or they were in Australia anyway. Um, but yeah, I just, this album to me is infuriating. Oh, very interesting. Should we, no, let's talk about it now. I got it higher. I got it much higher. Oh well, let's park it and we'll talk about. Yeah, we'll park it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We'll park it. Okay. Uh, So what are we up to now? Seven. You go. Seven. 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 How do you say it? Mark Shaw. Mark Shaw. Mark Shaw. This is uh, Mark Show was what, or Mark Shaw was what people used to scream at the Beatles when they were in Hamburg. Yeah, make show. Make show. So. Well, you know what? I've got it at seven too. Have you? Yes. Uh, I, quite, I quite like some of it. Like, so it's an interesting kind of album because we were talking about him before, but Kim Salmon actually produced this with him. Yeah, and I, um, you're so not it's a, more of experimental. You're not a big Kim Salmon fan, I take it. Oh, I don't even know who the bloke is. <laughs> I love Kim Salmon because my friend Nick, uh, his record label, a lot of the Kim Salmon stuff is on that, and so I got a lot of um, access to a lot of uh, his recordings and and even demos and b-sides and things like that and he's a seriously uh clever guy kim salmon very similar if you put him and brad shepherd together they'd look like right, brothers yeah. They're very similar blokes yeah i've seen pictures of him and stuff i, was, I might have uh, you know what a lot of this stuff comes from i reckon is when you see him programming rage and yeah. i'm sure i saw kim <laughs> salmon programming rage one night and it was just I don't know, just yeah. a whole bunch of mess. That's not your thing, though. I know. No, I know. you know what? I, yeah, it is. It's my thing, though. I like Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. I love Chicago, Tower of Power. So this album was recorded in two thousand and four. Uh, it was recorded eight years before Blue Cave. Yeah, you're right. Uh, co-produced by Kim Salmon, as you said, got to number sixty-seven on the ARIA charts here in Australia. So that's not real high, is it, for one of Australia's beloved bands? Now, an interesting no, exactly. But an interesting thing about this album to me is that at around this time, the Hoodoo Gurus or Hoodoo Gurus were riding a bit of a resurgent wave across Australia or the Eastern States, particularly because they'd been 
commissioned by the NRL, which is the rugby league uh, competition here in Australia, to re-record one of their most famous songs into a theme song for the NRL. And you could not go anywhere without hearing that song. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that album later on, but it was called What's My Scene. They re-recorded it as That's My Team. That's My Team. No, yeah, and it was that. a huge hit, wasn't it? It was... what it was That you, actual song, so not What's My Scene, and That's My Team was a hit. No, no, not oh. a hit in, in the traditional sense, but a hit as in like it was universally praised by the rugby league community as being one of the great theme songs since Tina, Tina, Tina Turner did Simply the Best. Yeah, because we've had some absolute shockers. Oh, well. You wouldn't even know. What have they got? The butterfly effect or somebody now? I don't even know what the theme song is anymore. No, it's crazy. And there's plenty of people calling for them to just bloody run out well, simply I'd, the best every year. But I'd be happy with that's my team every year because yeah, it was perfect. It was pretty good, wasn't it? It was unreal. And I remember the film clip to What's My Scene had all the little squares in it, didn't it? Like the. Yeah. So did they do that? I can't remember the rugby league out. I might have to go back and have a look at it. But no, did they do did, a similar sort of style film clip? Or no, it no. just had big Bull blokes heads hitting each other hard. Each other. And they even played at the grand final, I think, in two thousand and four. So they were they were riding a bit of a wave. And this album came on the back of it. But it like like you said, sixty seven on the Aria charts isn't exactly a success. No, back then when people were actually buying albums, um, yeah. can I play one of the songs? I think it's actually the first song. Uh, off it, which I thought was very different. Is very it sour grapes? Oh, oh no, hang on. No, don't play chop because chop's terrible. <laughs> well, that was the song I was thinking. No, sour grapes is the sour grapes. Well, well chop, who's singing on chop? Well, I don't know. I can't under that. that well, let's have a quick listen right. to it. I don't understand it. time there was bands like regurgitator and all that they were kind of doing that sort of stuff weren't they oh that was this is a bit later than regurgitators well, when was this, 2004 yeah, yeah. regurgitator late were, 90s you sure when they were huge yeah. yeah late 90s but that's only kind of three four years like apart from this album so i think it might have still been around a bit i think that is on on listening to that again i'm pretty sure that is dave on the that's verses Dave's. but he's doing some weird voice yeah, yeah. very strange but I, yeah that uh, that uh, that octave bass thing and stuff, that's just not them. No. And they, and they don't make it work. But that, that song's an outlier on this album, I reckon. Just put Sour Grapes on. That's my favourite, the second track. You get a lot of that now. You get a lot of that nowadays. People put you down. Because they're sucking on sour grapes. Through their heads, I am not what they think. Even though they're 
it's of a time, isn't it? Well, it's an early 2000s sounding thing. Yeah, again, it reminds me of The Living End. Ah. Um, well, yeah, well. Production's very Kim Salmon. It's uh-huh. very crunchy and, and, uh, and sort of blown out a little bit. Hmm. But anyway, I, yeah, I quite like this album, but it had to go at number seven because there's just too many good ones above it. But hmm. uh, Vicky Peterson's on this one on the song When You Get to California. Vicky from the Bangles, of course, who Brad was romantically involved with on and off over the years. Was he really? Oh, yes. Well, there you go. I didn't know that. There was I a rumor. I remember rumors going around in when I was a kid that, that Brad uh, was with all of them. Oh. <laughs> Wasn't <laughs> like, there other rumor that Vicky Peterson was a man? No, no, that was the... Oh, that's the other one. No, not, Vicky's the, the hot guitar player. Not, oh, not, Susanna, not Susanna. The singer. No, Vicky's very hot. Actually, they're all very hot in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> one of them does look a little bit like a man. She's handsome. Oh. But yeah, uh, she sings backup vocals on When You Get to California, which was the single they released in the US oh. at the time. But Did it do any good over there? No. No, and there's lots of other people on this. Renee Geyer and Vanetta oh, Renee Fields Geyer and, and Vanetta Fields. They turn up on everything, don't they? Well, Vanetta Fields is okay. She's been on lots of great albums. Steely Dan. Yeah. See, no, she hasn't. Back in the day, see, back when she was in the states, then she moved over here and started powling yeah. around with Farnsie. John Farn. That's I can't well, get that geez, out of why me. Why couldn't you? You do that, wouldn't you? Just make a bit of cash. Oh, I suppose so. As a backing singer, you got to have some sort of stability. Um, anyway, what was that number seven for both of us? Yeah, number so seven. It's, and like we say, it's not it's not a bad album. I would I would well recommend a listen. Let's preface this by saying that we're two blokes that have never really done anything. Oh, critiquing yeah, of that, you know critiquing yeah. blokes that have done something, but you know that goes without saying. Anybody can have a podcast nowadays and spout off their own bloody opinions. Um. All right, what have I got? Oh, yeah, I've, six. I've cleared up all the ones on that. Six, you go, six. Crank. Ah, oh, me too. Right. See, we're syncing up a little bit. Mm. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Now, these, the, uh, six, six, five, and four, I have, cha- I, as you can see, I've got scribbles everywhere. Oh, scribb- I changed yeah, them I around. scribbled around too, actually. Actually, I <laughs> no, I scribbled more down the lower end of things. Uh, crank. To me, has Dave's finest vocal performance on it, and let's put it on just before uh, we talk about it. Absolute belter. Now that's how you start an album. That's a song. What a cracker that song is. I love it. Every time I hear that song, I, I, um, I just crank it, which is uh, a propose. <laughs> yeah, well, now that's how a Hoodoo Guru's album should sound. That's Ed Stasium's producer. I mean, I think he mixed that. And so, like I said before, Ed Stasium, uh, big, 
big record producer. I'm pretty sure he produced the Ramones. Yeah, he did. Back in the day, and of course, Living Colour. And And that's got that Living Colour kind of sound about it, which I love. I love Living Colour, that era of Living Colour around about then. So, yeah, good sounding album. I think he he, uh, produced bands like Live and uh, all of those sort of fringe, not that they were fringe because they were all massive, but not Pearl Jam, uh, Nirvana or, or the other one. Um, all of the ones that were hanging around at the time, Ed Stasium seemed to be producing on all of those records. He'd be, he'd have a few bucks, I would imagine. I'm um, friends with him on Facebook. <laughs> so with most of these blokes, and he, he lives in a he lives a nice life. I does bet Ed. he does. Just kind of swans around doing whatever he wants. Um, yeah. Oh, um, the Smithereens. That was the other band that he did. Smithereens. So, so this, yeah, so they're all kind of like not quite mega mega stars, but you know yeah. mega enough. Uh, but that song to me is Dave's vocal, finest vocal performance. The way that he sings that chorus, it, and that Dave has a very peculiar singing style. A lot. I was gonna, I'm going to touch on it a bit later as well, but he tends to sing the verses in a very kind of flat. Um, uh, yeah, almost it? like the keys a bit low for him. Yeah, or exactly. Yeah. And then he will put it up an octave for the for the either the second verse or the second part of a verse or the chorus or whatever. He does it all the time. Um, but that song's a bit different, where he he doesn't like octave it. He just belts the chorus out, and it sounds fantastic. He's such a good singer when he does it like that. Um, and the rest of the album is pretty good, uh, but it's not it's not fantastic. It's not classic. Classic, not is it? classic. But, no. Um, I, as I was going through all of this and looking at who did what and everything, and so this one's got a f- little fair bit more Brad Shepard involved, like as far as co-writing and um, yeah. even outright writing and even singing. I'm pretty sure he sings on "You Open My Eyes." He does. With, is that him singing? with Vicky Peterson? Well, I actually quite like that song. Like, um, shall I just put it on for a second? Because it's a bit, dare I say it, Beatlesque. Like if the Hoodoo Gurus had a crack at a Beatles song or something. I can I could do without the line, you can open my eyes with your sweet loving. That's not great. What else are you going to write about? You know who that sounds like to me? Who? Even. Even? Yeah. Oh. Who were around about, this album's released in 1994 and Even were pretty big around. That's another, for our overseas listeners or even Australian listeners who are not uh, particularly... Um, who don't who didn't follow this sort of scene back in the day, but even were a, a Beatles tri- tribute band as well. But they've, they're mm. fantastic. I love them. But that that to me sounds very like even, especially with Brad's vocals. Brad, Brad, I think must have a deal with Dave where he says, "If I write the song, I get to sing it." 
because he's well, just not as good as Dave. Like Lennon and McCartney. Yeah, but they could both sing their asses <laughs> off. Brad, Brad's <laughs> a little bit right. sketchy. Brad's he's not right. bad, but, but he's just not Dave, is he? Was he still singing background vocals at the concert and all that? Oh, yeah, and that, yeah, and I should. I was just about to uh, qualify my statement with he's one of the best harmony singers this Australia's ever seen. Well, isn't that always the way? Yeah, I'd hate to hear Paul Wosine singing lead. Oh, that'd be awful. I think he has actually. What about Mark Hunter? Uh, sorry, Todd Hunter. See, great backup vocalists, those blokes, but I don't think you'd want to hear him lead. But then you've got your your outliers like Mossy and Barnsey. And, oh, they're yeah. freaks. Uh, anyway. Rob Hurst, freaks. Freakishly good backup and front men. So 1994 was a very uh, particular time for music as, a, as far as tastes go, wasn't it? You remember 94. Well, What was around in 94? Uh, 94, I would have been probably about... 14 well maybe? it was uh, the it was the absolute height 16 sorry the height of grunge of grunge yeah i mean 91 was about when it all exploded with nirvana and all that but by 94 that's pretty much you you couldn't get away from it it was everywhere no. and you know all of these like i said before all of the satellite bands like live and um the the bad ones were were just it was flooded the whole market was flooded with grunge and I think there's a couple of nods on this album to that kind of uh, sound. Uh, Quo Vardis, I think, is a little bit grungy. But to the Guru's credit, they stuck to the formula and they put out another Guru's album and I don't think it did very well. I don't think the cover art helped either. Is it's this got the one like where they were saying the cover art? Oh, it's got the car on the front of it, the yeah, old car with the... With an eight ball on fire. <laughs> yeah, the it's, weird kind of writing and stuff. Because back then, cover art, it was a thing. You go to the CD shop oh, and absolutely. if something didn't jump out at you, because I think I was reading in some of the notes there before that one of the cover arts in one of their earlier albums, um, there was people coming up to them in America when they were touring over there, getting them to sign the Australian copy because the American copy, or vice versa, they were in Australia and they had the American copy and they were getting it imported because they didn't like the cover art of the one that they had. Yes, that was Stone Age Romeo's. Ah, Right, and they say yeah, had arguments with the record companies about it, and the record company said, no, it doesn't matter, yeah. and it does. It, it did back then anyway. Did. It doesn't now, but... Uh, <coughs> yeah, people yeah. in the US were coming up and getting them to sign the Australian copies. Ah, uh, right. Anyway, uh, crank mm-hmm. number six for both of us, 1994. Good album, not great, but I would recommend to listen to this one for sure. Yeah, it's okay. Number well, five. Geez, we're get, getting into the meat. Yeah. The meat of well, we, we always blow blow past the bottom bottom yeah, few, don't we? Until we get to the top, five. the top three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're number five. I had blow your cool. Ah, me too. We're matching up quite a bit. Mm, well, the thing I didn't like about this, and sorry, he's my new mate, but Mark, just, o- Mark Opitz's my production f- on this is <laughs> rubbish. My first note. Mark Opitz, what are you doing? Oh, I've Awful got a, drums. Yeah, I've got three bloody three exclamation marks and and. Speaking of scribbling things out, I actually had this lower at one point. Then I went back and listened to it, and the song's actually really good. But, Jesus. Now, I should say, I went to a workshop with Mark Opitz the other day, and I didn't actually... I hadn't hadn't listened to this album and hadn't really done my 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 work before I went to the thing, or else I would have stuck my hand up and said, Mark, what, the, what, what were you doing, mate? But it's of a time, isn't it? When did this one come out? It must have been in the 80s. 87. 80. Well, 
even by 87 standards, it's a pretty bad sounding album. Uh, well, the drums are just rubbish from a bloke that had recorded forever now. Yeah. Uh, it. I can't understand. All I can think is that, yeah, it was a, it was a fashion decision or... But surely by 87, the, the big, horrible, hollow, gated snare wasn't it? wasn't that big a deal that you had to have it on the album. No. All I, I can know. think is maybe it was an artist decision, but you'd think Mark had enough runs on the board to say, boys, that's not a good idea. Well, let me tell you about Mark Opitz. So I was in a room with him with about 10 other people for about five hours. So it was quite an eye-opener. And so Mark's thing is he gets a performance out of the band, doesn't use click tracks, doesn't use anything like that. Like maybe there might be some programming drums, program drums or something like that, but he doesn't sit him in there and say, okay, you do the drums first and then we'll do the guitars and that. He goes into a room and he's pretty much their cheerleader. So I don't think Mark actually has, to his in his defence, I don't think he's actually got a lot of say about how it sounds. Like, as far as he's he's not really, and by this point of his career, he's not really engineering it, if you know what I mean. Like, he's not out there sticking microphones on things. and But he would have listened to it at some point and gone, hang on, what's going on here? Unless, like, a, like you're getting record company produ- like pressure or, I don't know, don't know what it is. But he's pretty much a cheerleader. That's his job. Because he asked us, what's a producer do? And then he said, I don't know. So he didn't have any answers for us. As far as what he does. Let's have a listen to what's my scene. Okay. heard that song a billion times and it was a massive hit it's got 20 million listens on spotify here yeah i think it's their highest listened to one or maybe another couple but uh yeah that was i think that surely that was their biggest hit ever well, yeah. let's have a look shall we it must um, have been but the so. drum sound isn't that it, bad it's not on bad that on that song that, that's what i was going to say it's actually probably the best sounding song on the whole album um i think i like the song i was the one as well well my uh, favorite song on this album is uh the last one, what's it called? Party Machine. Because <laughs> it's, uh, it's got my favourite line, uh, blow your cool while the night is still young. I remember listening to it as a kid and thinking, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, should we bring it up now? There's lots of little sexual references with the Hoodoo Gurus, Oh, but there? yeah, Dave's very sexual. <laughs> For a bloke that looks like that, you wouldn't think he's as sexual as he is. He's very sexual. <laughs> Uh, this this got to a, blow your cool got to number three on the Australian music charts and thirty five in New Zealand wasn't it hit overseas as far as I can tell well it was before there did they have overseas success they after did this? they were no they were college radio darlings oh. back in their heyday oh in the early days yes. were they yeah oh, when college radio was a big thing and they did they go do tours of colleges and they stuff did they were there? they were massive and if you get on I'm on I, every now and then I'll get on some of the um, American 
music forums, guitars and stuff like that. And people often talk about Hoodoo Gurus. They've got a lot of fans in the US in particular. Uh, they were the, the first couple of albums were big over there. Yeah. But I don't think this one translated as, as well. bit too overproduced for the kids. Perhaps. For perhaps. the uh, ones that are over in college keeping it real. Um, what were they listening to in 87? They weren't listening to Whitesnake in college, were they? No, they were Hoodoo Gurus, R.E.M. R.E.M. Yeah. Yeah, well, see, R.E.M. wasn't as overblown as these, as this album was. Oh, then. yes, well, they were. Well, some actually, of it. they were, some of it. Uh, this song, What's My Scene, had the, the the first line and another thing I've been wondering lately, which Paul Kelly in his book, Paul Kelly, another famous Australian artist, which we will be covering, I presume. Oh, jeez, bloody hell. He's got about 400 albums, though. Yeah, and he doesn't have like a band as such. He had a few different mm. bands and then solo stuff, but we'll figure out a way yeah, around it because we've got to cover work out his band stuff maybe first um but he said in his book that that's one of the greatest opening lines he's got a whole chapter about opening lines in songs which i was probably my favorite chapter of that book because yeah awesome but he said this song drops you in the middle of a conversation and i'd never thought about it like that before and you think well what were they talking about before you know what i mean Ah, yeah. yeah, and that got me thinking about what were they talking about? He's kind of halfway through the conversation. Yeah, and another thing, yeah, so... Yeah, so what like was he it, wondering about? Like, <laughs> what was he wondering earlier? Yeah. <laughs> and another thing. Yeah. But the, one of the one of the great uh, videos, the film clips, as we used to call them back in the day, and you'd see it all the time on Rage and Countdown, and oh, maybe not Countdown, might be a bit too no, late. they weren't really Countdown types, were they? No. Not no, sexy weren't. enough for They were a bit indie. Yeah. yeah, they weren't sexy enough. They weren't didn't look like bloody Andy Gibb. Yeah, too sexual, not sexy. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with being sexual? <laughs> uh, and yeah, that had the, like you said before the four squares with all the boys dressed up. And I was, I've got that imprinted on my brain that that video, the, what they were wearing. Dave had the paisley. He was a big Paisley guy Paisley. back in the day. Had he long had long hair. hair then too, didn't he, with a yeah. headband? He used to wear a headband because I think he may have been already balding. Yeah, because he kind of looks like Flacco a bit later on. Yeah. You remember Flacco? He does. <laughs> uh, Clyde Bramley had the, the uh, cowboy shirt on that you see all the hipsters wearing these days. They were well ahead of well, their time. Yeah. Well, the thing I didn't like about their look... I didn't like Mark Kingsman's glasses, those round glasses like the like Oh, him, you didn't like that. Like him out of madness. <laughs> I'm sure I used to have a pair of round glasses too back in the day, but I don't think they lasted very long. But yeah, I don't know. I just This uh, song, uh Dave Dave says about this song, whenever I'm asked to name a favourite one of my songs, I usually choose this one. Not because I think it's the best, but because it best captures everything I try to do when I'm writing any song. I wouldn't change a note or a syllable of this one, and I'm especially proud that it has two different choruses when one is usually enough. Uh-huh. What's he saying? It's the second chorus, not well, the. I, I presume he's talking about the they, they say. say, they say, which is more like a middle eight, That's isn't my, it? It's a middle eight. Come on, Dave. You're but a songwriter, that, mate. Yeah. That's not really a second chorus. Uh, it can be. Yeah. I uh, got number 67 on Triple M's Ozist 100. That's a useless stat. No, Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that one. But yeah, and then they kind of followed that song up with Good Times after it, which is a little twee. Oh, Good Times, I just can't stand. Mm. That's a, one of the reasons why it dropped down my list a little bit when I was scribbling things out. 
Um, in the middle of the land was a bit of a hit for them as well. Yeah, that was one of the singles off it, was it? Yeah, but it, it. I mean, I liked it back in the day, but these days I think there's better out there for Huda Gurus fans. And the rest of it sort of, it really drops off in the middle. In the middle of the land is track seven and it kind yeah. of rescues it a bit, but the rest I of it. Just... I thought I was the one was one of my favourite songs off it. Hmm. Oh, well, fair Should we play enough. that for a sec? Sure. people just go do their own research on that? But no, let's play that one because I I've actually can't remember how it goes, but I wrote it down that I liked it. Hang on a sec. <laughs> Darling, this is goodbye. Kiss me, I don't know why. You were Maybe I was just looking for positives. No, that's not too bad. It's, that's a, it's bad. a good song. It's a good album. It's just not great. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, we both had that at number five. Yeah. Gee whiz. Number Bloody four. Hell, this is the most together we've ever been. It could be, you know. Four? Number four. Kinky. Oh, right. Okay. Let's discuss Kinky. Well, it's got actually a couple of my favorite songs. I love, I love Thousand Miles Away. Do I bet you? you don't like it. They, I bet you don't like it. You know what? Back in the, this this album, this is nineteen ninety one, and I loved it. Yeah, I, I remember you yeah, flogging it. At I, home. <laughs> I had it. On I, I did flog it, and but it, to me, it just doesn't hold up. Doesn't slap. It anymore. doesn't hold up. Doesn't hit. A thousand miles away is a great song. Yeah, and I love. But it's not one like if I want to listen to Hoodoo Gurus, it's I don't put that song on and I don't I certainly don't and I never liked Miss Free Love 69 oh, well that's a, I should have had it down lower for that because that's a dreadful song <laughs> isn't it a dreadful oh, song it is a dreadful song and you know what at the concert the other night Did guess what got, guess what got the biggest reaction oh yeah we'll see and that's what it, that's and they probably hate playing it I bet they do Daryl Braithwaite probably hates playing horses well he didn't even write that no, I know, but like you get stuck in this thing where you put out an awful song and you have to play it because all the boneheads love it. It's yeah. a dreadful song. <laughs> it's a dr- out of a catalogue of 10 albums, and how six, some of the albums got 16 songs on it. Sure, you can find a better song than that to love. Castles in the Air, I used to love that when I was a kid. you got to remember, I was in year 11 when, well, this, when this came out. Maybe I'm a little nostalgic about this album because I was a bit younger and maybe a little more impressionable and maybe you're a bit too cool for this album. No, I think I was a bit too sexual for this album. <laughs> it's got a lot of very, uh, yeah. it's got a lot of songs on this. This is, <laughs> It has a lot of songs on you that you could put on a mixtape, you know what I mean, for oh. a girl. Yeah. yeah, well, I wasn't into mixtapes then. What, what, so what do you reckon you were? 17, so I would have been 14. Yeah, A Place in the Sun's good too, I must yeah, admit. Got, yeah, it's yeah. got a great riff. Uh, but yeah, to me, it's just, I don't know, the whole thing is just a bit syrupy. Well, let me put on something syrupy for everyone to have a listen to and they can make up their minds whether this is a number four ranked album or what do you have it? Number nine. No, seven. Seven. I felt the radiance of your rising sunshine on my skin. Oceans away from the rest of our lives and still we both fell in. 
stopped it before that bit. Is that Desiree? Yeah, it was chugging along nicely just before that bit. Well, that that throws my rule out the window that Brad gets to sing the songs he wrote because he wrote that one and that's obviously Dave. Oh. Yeah, but I don't like that song. It's all right. It's all right. (laughs) Uh, Place in the Sun, let's have a listen to that. Okay. So the term meat and potatoes <laughs> applies to Mark and Rick, doesn't it? Mark Kingsmill and Rick Grossman. Is Mark Kingsmill related to the Triple J fella? No. No, no relation, so that's good. Um, <laughs> it is good. <laughs> so nice and crunchy and no frills, no no uh, fat, you know, nothing to trim off the bone with those two, like... Uh, and uh, maybe that's why I didn't really quite get into the Hoodoo Gurus when I was a kid, because there wasn't enough pizzazz, you know, flash from oh, the yeah. rhythm section, you know, they're a little bit too. And of course, now I really appreciate meat and potatoes more than anything. It's my, that's my diet. But back then I was candy. Yeah. Frills. Oh, hang on. His brother is Richard. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. I you didn't know that. Oh, well. Richard Kingsmill is a musical director of uh, the big youth station, independent music station here in Australia, Triple J, and he's a complete and utter asshole. <laughs> is Mark an asshole? I'm sure oh, Mark's not. I don't not. think I've ever seen anything about him. I'm sure he's not. Anywhere. Uh, You're more likely to see an interview with Rick Grossman than Mark. He was in a band with Ron Penno from uh, Died Pretty, one of my favourite, favourite, favourite bands who I know you don't like. Um, oh, I don't even know any Died Pretty stuff. And Clyde Bramley was in that band as well. He's been around forever, Mark Kingsmill. I'm sure he's a terrific fella. Yeah. He was in The Hitman too with uh, Brad Shepard. Uh, very good drummer. Do you like the way he plays? I do now. But yeah, like I say, maybe he didn't leave an imprint on me when I was a kid because he wasn't... No, it was my favourite guy was Brad Heaney out of the Screaming Jets. He had a bit more pizzazz, a bit more flair. Yeah. Well, you were looking for looking for things to impress back then, weren't you? Well, of course. Um, but ninety-one, I, Jesus, ninety-one's your bloody. That's peak. Peak. Oh, well, for you it would have been maybe, but ninety-one. What was I? Thirteen. You would have been playing drums then. Yeah, just, just. Fourteen. No, no, 13, 14. Just getting interested in it. And I think probably Mark Kingsman would have been down on my list of guys. <laughs> yeah, probably. Like, yeah, like you say, very meat and potatoes, but very solid. 
And yeah. uh, that that's well, they mix the drums really heavy. Like they're really up for up front in all their albums, pretty much. Well, from you know the Mark Kingsmill era onwards, the drums are really up front. I tell you what, I bloody missed him at that. Gig. Yeah, well, who's the new kid? I can't remember his Mark, name. Someone Reith or Keith or something like that. But um, well, I went to that concert with with a, a drummer friend of mine, and I remarked through the the gig, and I said, "God, they miss Rick." And he didn't really agree with me, so I could be oh, off base. Nick Reith. Nick Reith. He just didn't seem to, I don't know. You know how every drummer's got their own feel. And, you know, you can you can put the best drummer in the world into a gig to play, you know, to fill in. And no matter how good they are, they're not going to sound like the original guy because everybody's got their own, you know, built-in sense of time or whatever. That's right. Space. I yeah, think it, it, that's my my term is space. And Nick, Nick, the new guy. I mean, fantastic. You don't get a gig like the Hoodoo Gurus without being good. But he just didn't. I don't know. There was something wrong. Something about the space. That's yeah. what you miss with drummers. Is everyone has a different? You're talking about where they place the backbeat and everything. And some people have got some width in their playing, and some people don't. That's what I put it down to. Without it being too, what's the word? Esoteric. It's a hard one to describe, but yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I'm sure all our listeners do too, because they're all very learned listeners. So what was that, number four you had, Kinky? Yeah. What do you have at number four? In Blue Cave. Oh, that was the one I had down lower. You had it like number 16 or something. <laughs> well, that's... Yeah, I, I think this album is fantastic. It, to me, this is, this is 1996, so just after... Um, Crank. Crank, yeah. And to me, this album is the one that is, from first track to last track, is consistent all the way through, hmm. other than the, our top three, obviously, which I think we've pretty got pretty similar as well. But um, I don't think there's a bad track on this one, except for All I Know, which is a Brad Shepard. Um, oh, well, I think I may be more of a Brad Shepard guy. You like All I Know. Is that the one you had down for your your standout on this one? Oh, I'm not sure. Where's my notes? Hang on. <laughs> I hope not, because it's an awful song. Maybe not. Hang but on. But I think you mentioned Waking Up Tired. Let's have a listen to that. Oh, the nights are long and I'm so tired of waking up tired. Man, they just drag on and on and I'm so tired of waking up the company I'm keeping Won't let me get my sleep in Oh, I hate the light And I'm so tired of waking up tired The morning sun is getting way too bright And I'm so tired of waking up tired If I was worth a fortune I'd never leave my bedroom Terrific song. That's a and great And I had to song. leave it up until that little falsetto bit about waking yeah. up safe and sound. Like a wonderful little uh, turnaround there and hook. I love all the chords in that. There's, every chord is unexpected to me in that yeah. song. Where's the sparkle though, Kevin? Yeah, Where's the mid-range? Awful production. Where's the sparkle? <laughs> Jesus. Bloody Kevin. <laughs> um, I, I won't say too much about 
caveman Shirley because it might get fan. back might get back to him somehow, yeah. and he might he might un defriend me on Facebook. Um, big deal. The first song on this on this album sounds to me like uh, Tumbleweed. Remember Tumbleweed? Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Well, now we're getting to why you like this because you loved all that stoner rock and all I that stuff. I loved it. Didn't you? Let's have a, just a quick listen to the start Little of Big Deal. Snip of it. What's not to like about a big, fat, fuzzy riff? Yeah, well, I don't know. It's in 6.8. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's not an opener if for you're me. In, you're in 6.8. Not an opener. Put on Waking Up Tired. That's this a is smash. Good. If Only, great song. Mind a Spider. This was a point of contention earlier. Well, now, let, let's... Well, yeah, have a listen. Do you listen. want to talk about it first or you want to put the stupid no, thing no, on? No, put it on. Let, let me Because I, I know what you mean. Let me put the stupid thing on. <laughs> <laughs> this is my number four. See, you've got to. Right, I, I, I've worked it out why you've brought this at four. Nineteen ninety six. So that's prime bong smoking exactly. time for you. Exactly. See, I was, you 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 remember because you did a gig with us, <laughs> a band that I had called Stank in Bathurst, and you filled in with us. Remember at yeah, Village Fair, I and we charts had charts and everything. We had songs like this. We had one called Dulux. Dulux dog. dog. I remember. <laughs> That was a good song though. Mine exactly. the spider isn't. And they were no, but they were very they were very like it's ah. very much of a time where that kind of like that kind of tongue in cheek lyric and then I think he's ripping off when he goes, Main the spider <laughs> like you know, like Jethro Tull or something like that. Oh well if they don't do a Jethro Tull song, at least have a bit of in- instrumentation. Oh, no, but stuff. that's a great riff. I only wish I could have written riffs that good back ah. in ninety six. Well you see there well there you go, we've just unpacked that, haven't we? Because no. in nineteen 19- 96, I was too young to be smoking bongs, and I've never really done that anyway. I get what you mean, though. That, that is a, it's a it's a piss take, but it's got a great riff, and that would have gone over big in live back in 96. Mm. People were into that back then. 
and the big deal song, the yeah, tumbleweed riff. We're into that piccolo got bloody your, snare drum sound. Yeah, as and well, then you've got it? your big choruses like "Waking Up Tired" and "If Only." Oh, sorry, always something's a great song. Son of a gun. Excuse oh, me, geez. Jesus. <laughs> a bit of gas there, mate. It's that bloody cold water. Did you see that video of that like that politician who <laughs> <laughs> did that big burp? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll like, have to show it. you later. It's the funniest thing you'll ever see. <laughs> oh, I think I have seen it actually. <laughs> <laughs> They're one of those big Eudora Welty birds. <laughs> massive birds, and then she just goes, Pardon me, and keeps coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else are you meant to do? Was that the Prime Minister of England? It or might something? have been her, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, fuck, so. it was funny. Well, ex Prime Minister <laughs> now, maybe she didn't have enough decorum doing big gassy burps. <laughs> Uh, well, there you, so what would you have that at number four? Yeah, You're that deserves crazy. to be at number four. No. It geez. does, because well, it doesn't fall away in the middle. Well, it's probably a better at number four than Kinky, I must admit. That's an all, that's a one, what, how many tracks? 13. That's a one to 13 listen for me, that one. Except really? For, yeah, except all I know I will skip every time, because it sucks. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Well, I don't know, maybe I might be wrong. Here we go, we're into number three. Ooh, this is another. Yes. Like well, a whole only, different podcast now. Yeah, well, there's only three. Well, we've got we've got the same top three. Yes, maybe not the same order. Maybe though. not this the be same interesting. order. Yeah, that, I'm actually surprised that one of these is in your top three. To be oh, honest. why? Because you reckon it's not sophisticated enough, or no, something? No, but, uh, no, I'm, oh. I'm surprised it's in mine too. Oh, and I didn't think it would be in yours. But okay, uh, you go. Well, number three. three, I've got Magnum Come Loud. Me too. Right, and this one for me. Well, there you go. Well, this is the first time we've had number one and two albums in our top two. I was thinking this because I don't think I've ever had a debut album in my top two. In the whole time we've been doing this, you probably haven't. No, but this Mm. uh, Magnum come louder. I didn't think you'd have it, and I didn't think I would have it either when I first sat down to to do this. I, I I automatically discounted this one, but. Upon revisiting. Oh, it's a cracker. <coughs> and it doesn't have that embarrassing production of um so this was after Blow Your Blow sorry, Blow Your Cool. Yes. This was a, a highly anticipated album because Blow Your Cool was so big. Uh this one got to number thirteen on the Australian charts, which was a pretty significant achievement. Got to number hundred and one on the Billboard charts in the US, but it was huge in Sweden. Oh. Yeah. Um this one was produced by themselves. Right. And then, so I was reading up about it, and so they just come out of their a big drawn-out lawsuit trying to get out of their first, no doubt, shocking contracts from the first couple of albums and uh, from whatever record company they were from. And so they were at a bit of a low, yeah. and they probably had a heap of pressure on them to come up with something pretty good. And, of course, it starts with Come Any Time, one of their best songs and probably one of their biggest hits, was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see, where did that one get to? It was a huge song. It was used on a TV program too. For oh, that while. um, Have You Been Paying... No, not Have You Been Paying Attention. Um, uh, Thank God You're Here. Thank God You're Here. What yeah. was that show about again? I can't even remember. Is that Sean McKayla in it? Or? I think they dropped you in like it was an improv show and they oh, dropped you in God. the middle of uh, you know situations and stuff. I remember yeah. liking it a little bit back in the day. So this came out in 1989. 89. This album. So let's have a quick listen to Come Anytime. It's only company You know I'm 
sounds clever yeah. songwriting, isn't it? Like how it just goes straight back into the verse there. There's no, like, it's almost like they cut off the chorus early or something. And, you know, later on in that song, he does what you were talking about where he goes up the octave when yeah. he sings the uh, the chorus. Classic example of his uh, that really low-down vocal. Like you say, it almost sounds like it's too low for him. Yeah, and there's a couple of notes. So People say they struggle to hit high notes, but you struggle to hit low notes, wouldn't you? And there's a couple of notes in there that he really struggles to hit. Well, there's a there's a song we'll talk about later on that we used to play in a band back home that is almost impossible to sing properly when you do the down low bit. Then it, it, another example of the down low and then yeah, up and high it, bit, especially and the, playing it live because yeah. it doesn't cut doesn't and, cut through your fallback speakers or anything either. So it's really hard to sing down low like that. And then when you do open up. Very, well, it's very a great, tricky. Yeah, very good technique because it, it really emphasises the, the bits that you want to be emphasised, I suppose. But that's a fantastic song. But the best best part of that song is at the end, the the tagline in it, uh, if you can't make up your mind, uh, we can make it up together. And when Dave, I don't know if you can find it quickly, but he sings it, make it up together, really high. And if you can't make up your mind, Got a terrific upper register. Like I, I love when he sings up there like that. Sometimes you know, if you got a low voice, you can't make that work. Well, but- you know what I, I was thinking about that technique of his is that maybe he developed it in the early days for live shows so that he could get through them. Because oh. it's it's less taxing to sing down low. Let's say it's harder, but it doesn't wear your voice out like singing up the top does. And he has got a very high upper register. But I love that song. That's a and such a great line. Um, if you can't make up your mind, we can make it up together. And it seems vaguely sexual. The <laughs> title come any time, doesn't it? Oh yeah. Well, and Magnum come louder is definitely sexual. Oh, hundred percent sexual. Let me well, tell you about Dave. In nineteen ninety four. Yeah, ninety four. I was living on the Gold Coast in Queensland working as a dealer at Jupiter's Casino and one early morning, would have been about 2 a.m., maybe 3 a.m., I was doing something in my tray like with my chips. Had had a few people on the table. This is Blackjack. And I look up and there's a guy sitting down and it's Dave fucking Faulkner. And I shit myself because I was a huge fan. And I thought, what am I going to say to this bloke? Anyway, he sat there, had a few bets. I said hello, and he said hello. Anyway, we didn't like have any... I didn't ask him about the band or anything like that. I just treated him like a guy. But he was the nicest fella you'd ever meet in your life. So saying thank you to me all the time, asking me how my night was going, all that kind of stuff. He was just an absolute gentleman. And I love him for that because people used to treat me like shit, <laughs> especially <laughs> well, at three o'clock in the morning. I saw a documentary where they opened a library or something after named after his mother that's, over here. That's in, a, uh, Julia Zamiro's home delivery. Oh, I love yeah, that show. I watched that and yeah. I was like watching it the whole time going, this bloke is a national treasure. We must protect him at all costs. Exactly. And yeah. he's a WA icon. Like he... like. And that's why I always thought, like, you know, it surprised me that they actually started the band in Sydney. But um, where, where's he, his, um, 
so his mother was a librarian or something, and he actually gets quite teary still talking that, about her. And she passed away a few years ago. He grew I'm up sure. in he grew up in Belmont. His dad was a Belmont. World War, yeah, his that's right. Dad was a World War Two veteran, and I don't think she was a librarian. I think she just helped get that library open. Oh and, right, and well whatever it, it was, I'm going to have to watch it again. And I've great. Apologise to the listeners, but um, yeah, it was with Julia Zamiro, who's one of the all time great interviewers, I reckon. And that show's fantastic. I watch all of them. Oh I yeah. Love them. Wonderful show, wonderful show, and um, if yeah. You, so yeah, just watching that because again, I I know nothing about Dave Faulkner. I know nothing about Brad. Ch- I know nothing about any of them. That's because you haven't put in the time, though. No, but there's never but any. You never really you. see them on Hey Hey it's Saturday or anything like. Well, you they're know, not, they're not rock or star countdown. rock stars, are yeah. they? No, Although Brad Brad's probably the most rock well, star out of all of them. Yeah, but yeah, Dave looks like the kind of bloke you'd see at your blackjack table saying thank you for everything. What a great fella! And I remember thinking, man, because the his um his speaking voice is very effeminate, and I remember thinking, hmm, that's interesting because like his public life wasn't very. Uh, you know, it wasn't well known back then, but of course he is homosexual and it all kind of makes sense. And when you go back and listen to the lyrics in some of the songs, they make a lot more sense than they did to me as a kid. But um, what a great fella. I'd, I'll never forget that night. He was just such a great, just an absolute gentleman. And like you say, watching that doco on him on Julia Zamiro's show um, really rammed at home. What a, just a kind, you know, Good person he is intelligent too. Well, oh, I don't think you can smart. be. You can't be a. You can't be a top songwriter without being super intelligent, in my opinion. But anyway, what we digress. I, I love. Um, there's an instrumental on this, isn't there? The Spaghetti Western song. Yeah, and that was on. I love uh, that. You, you mentioned Gorilla Biscuits before. Oh yeah, that, was that on that? Well, that was a, a double compilation album. Well, it wasn't a double, but they released them at the same time. Gorilla Biscuits and. Um, what was the other one called? The red one. Oh yeah, there was two different covers. I still remember they looked like a tablecloth or something. There yeah, was Gorilla Biscuit and what? I don't know. Well, the red the red one had all the hits. All on the it. hits. Yeah, and then um, Gorilla the Biscuits one. had the B sides and things like that. And, yeah, and that was the one I used to listen to the most because it had Hey Ride to Hell on it. And I loved it. <laughs> oh we, yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves there, but um. What is, what is baby baby can dance is one of my favourites. Baby can dance. <laughs> is that a Brad Shepherd song? <laughs> can we put that on for a sec? Sure. Baby can dance. She's a good girl. Baby tries hard. I love the way she moves. Baby can dance. I never guessed that one day she'd steal my heart away. Her hips lie so wild. Look at her now She's almost impossible Can't turn away My soul is hers to tell My soul is hers I live in hope and fear Where do we go from here? She sure can dance She won't have to ask me twice So just stop it there and then when you I encourage you to listen to this album because it's in our top three but it actually ruins it a little bit when the hoodoo guru sound comes in. Because, you know, you kind of get sucked into that and it's got the 12-string guitar and the little back and forth, the call and response lyrics and everything. And then the drums come in and it's like the hoodoo guru's drums. I, I thought that they might have been able to do something a little nah, different. That's a great but song. to their credit, 
they they do what they do and they stick to their guns and that's it. I should hate that song, but I absolutely <laughs> love it. It's awesome. Now I want to. Uh, can we play a bit of um, this song to me in um, uh, high school when I was just starting to play guitar, and there was this song. I don't know how I found out about it. Oh, well, actually, let's before I tell that little yarn. How did? What was your first? Um, Exposure. Where did you first hear the Hoodoo Gurus? Because we always talk about our first, our first time hearing a band. It might have been come any time. Um, not um, um, what's my scene? I think it must have been that film clip because that film clip was massive. But now that I actually think about it, it was probably my girl film clip that we'll get it. We'll probably get to later. Well, I want to talk about that later because I, I'd say that's probably what it was. Seeing that on Rage in on. You know, in the mornings or whatever. Um, hmm. Yeah, well, that was everywhere. It still is. If you watch Rage to this day, it's on pretty much every Saturday morning or yeah. late Friday night because people love putting it on. Yeah, but they weren't a kind of band that smacked me over the head and were, you know, my favourite band for... for. Oh, well, well one, there's one song of theirs that catapulted them into the absolute favourite band ever for a good period of my teenage years but actually we'll get to that later because yeah. it's still to come up um but uh yeah this song on track three on this album axe grinder oh um when i was learning how to play guitar i've got an, just a vivid memory of playing this song in the music room at cower high school <laughs> and just murdering it but having the best time of my life well, let's put well, it on because uh, to me this this album has you know, from uh, as an average, has the best guitar sounds on any Hoodoo Gurus album. Oh, okay, let's have a listen. just waiting for the chorus to kick in and every time and still to this day after listening to that song a fair few times i still expect it to come in earlier than it does yeah and it's a clever chorus too just that little uh modal shift mm. um you don't expect it to go into that key but uh, yeah. I, um, now, I remember playing that 
Yeah, you in bands been. when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would have absolutely butchered it. I, I I still don't know how to play it properly, but I had my own little version of it, and I used to I used to tell all the boys, "Come on, let's play Axe Grinder," and I remember them rolling their eyes. <laughs> there was another song of theirs too called "Generation Gap" that was oh, never yeah, on it. Was never on an album. Yeah, and I used to love it as well. Yeah, it was like a twelve-bar blues. Yeah, I remember that playing that one as well. Yeah, jeez, I forgot about that um but that that's that guitar sound is like a, a p90 for your guitar players p90 pickup into a marshall it sounds to me like the kings of the sun guitar sound to me that sounds like 80s australia i love it well it's Great funny you should say sound. that because um shadow me sounds australian like we talk about australian sound and this is a very australian album very australian album and to me the best song or not the best song but my one probably my favorite is death in the afternoon the last track there's a bit of a theme for me with guru's albums and the last track i always love oh or most of the time but death in the afternoon if you Doing a bit of revisionary uh, listening with the Hoodoo Gurus. Death in the afternoon. Make sure you play that. Don't don't bail out before you get to the end. Uh, there you go, number three. Yeah, nineteen eighty nine. Magnum come louder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, axe grinder. But yeah, they're pretty much all sexual titles. <laughs> Glamour puss. <laughs> axe grinder. <laughs> all the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Where's well. that hit? I think is uh, uh, that's the second last song. That's a, a bit of a uh, got a bit of baseball reference in it from memory. Oh. Anyway, uh, number two, I tossed and turned about this one. Yeah, well, I didn't, but I can see why you would have. But I'd be very interested to see if you've got the same as me. I got Mars needs guitars number two. Ah, so I didn't want to give it away earlier but this is the first time i've had a debut album as my number one right well i you know what i I could never i I didn't toss and turn too much about this because um this is clearly my favorite but i had it i had i had uh number one yeah this is number one yeah but let's talk about it now i know why too but anyway let me just (laughs) bring up my notes this one's from 1985 march 8th 1985. So the second album. Oh, geez, I'm looking at it now. I'm thinking, yeah, I don't, bloody hell. That's the thing. You, you, you put these two side by side. Uh, Stone Age Romeo's Mars Need Guitars and you, you compare track by track. And this thing is just an absolute ball terror. It is a wonderful album and it's fun. It's just, a, well, maybe it's not as fun as Stone Age Romeo's for me, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. But, I get but that. you look at you look at the hits on it. So you got so let's talk about the hits. You got Bittersweet, Death Defying, Like Wow, Wipeout was a hit. Wasn't Poison it? Pen, Poison Pen. So there's your first kind of out of the first five songs, like four the f- of them were the biggest, some of the biggest songs the Hoodoo Gurus ever had. And they were the fir- they were the four singles from this album. Yeah. Oh, were they right? Yeah. So. Oh, jeez, I don't know why I've had... I, 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 actually, I do know why. I do know why because I just like the other one better. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. And, uh, uh, now, this was Mark Kingsmill's first album as a guru. Right. James Baker unceremoniously sacked after the recording of Stone Age Romeo. So, um, And to me, there's a very... There's a, a stark difference in the sound of the two albums just because of the drummer. Yeah, yeah. Very different drummers. Yeah, very different. It was. It was. It's probably the most. Um, uh 
Yeah, I, I would say in Oz Rock history, probably the the yeah the biggest distinct the, uh, yeah yeah distinctive change in the sound of a, of an already successful band um, to bring in a new drummer and change the sound that much. You would have thought they'd be looking for somebody more like James, but um, but Rick's a very uh, Mark's a very different bass player uh, <laughs> drummer, <laughs> isn't he? Oh yeah, very different, very different. So. Yeah, we probably might might get to James. Oh no, because we got it number one and two. But I've got a soft spot for James Baker. I've actually met James quite a few times, and he's a lovely old fella. I love him. He's um definitely gone way too hard. Let's put it that way that he's gone a little little too hard in his life, and he's a little bit scatty. But I was actually talking to their guitarist. He's in a great band called the Rock and Handy. Oh yeah, over here in Perth, and um, because what was that band? He was in Painkillers or something over here as well. That were real loud and real like you know real three chord punk sort of stuff. But the Rock and Handy are great. And I was talking to the guitarist Rick the other day and asked how James was going, and um, he said he's going good. He's going really good. He's kind of cleaned up his act a little bit, and he's a gardener now. <laughs> you want to be careful, ex- ex- uh, musicians being gardeners. They have a tendency to. <laughs> yeah, well, not no, last I think very long. no. Well, geez, he's lasted long enough, old mm. James. But um, still playing great. If you get a chance, check out his band, The Rock and Handy. <laughs> They're really good. And well, he he came out as a guest at the oh, did he at the Hoodoo Gurus show the other night, and they didn't put him on the drum set. Oh, they gave him a tambourine. Gave him they? a tambourine, and he stood there and sang. Well, we'll get to the song he sang in the in the next one. Oh, but shit. um, yeah. Yeah, this well the the opening track on this song is where I uh track on this album is my first exposure to Hoodoo Gurus and I I never forget the time I heard it it came on the radio in mum and dad's car one day and the chorus just got me like hooked me like I'd never been hooked by music before and I couldn't get it out of my head and I didn't back in the day when they'd just play songs and they wouldn't back announce it or maybe maybe they announced it at the start and I missed it. But I, I remember for the longest time, I did not know who sung this song. And I used mm-hmm. to sit in front of the radio <laughs> Wait with, for the, it to yeah, come on. With, with my finger over the record button wait, with the tape in it, waiting for it to come on. And it never did, ever. And then one day, one fateful day, I was watching Rage and it came on. And I figured out who, and I realized who it was. And it was straight down to the um, record shop to buy Mars Needs guitars because this song just kicked my ass as a kid let's play it
<laughs> still makes me laugh. <laughs> so you used to play that. <laughs> we used to play that. What did? <laughs> What's the line there? Kiss my cheeks. <laughs> Kiss my cheeks whenever we meet. Yeah, I'm sure the singer P, if you're listening, used to sing something different there. <laughs> Oh, did we? I don't remember playing that. Uh, might have been before you joined, but that was in a band called Loose Stones. We used to do that song, and Larry, the guitarist, used to do the. Oh yeah, it's of course. All, it's yeah. always bittersweet, That's like right. the high one though at the end. Yeah. It's, it's always. I can't even hit it. You'd always do it good though. <laughs> yeah, but and what a song! Imagine. Imagine writing a song like that. That's a perfect song. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's got the key change good. at the end. and uh, Yeah, those back, uh, background vocals. Sounds like there's a cello or something at the well, start that, of it there that I never noticed before. That was the bit that got me, the don't cry. That, I couldn't believe how good that sounded to my, what, what is this, 85, to my 11-year-old ears. Yeah, Just gotcha. blew me out of gotcha the water. Got you at the right time. Yeah, it really did. And yeah, we used to we played this in a um, band later on uh, with Mark, and I used to have to play that intro, and sing at the same time, oh, and it's yeah, completely oh. off. You can't do it; it's impossible. So I used to just chug on the D chord. Well, and it's, we should mention there are two guitar Australian band, but quite a departure from what we kind of used to with ACDC and. Um, the Angels. Well, very inventive guitar playing in this band, and and this song in particular, like you can sing. Brad Shepard's another one of those Australian guitar players where he never plays the standard pentatonic scale, you know, like a blues scale or something. He always plays something interesting and cool, um, especially on this album. You can sing the bittersweet solo, well, I can. That that bit. Yeah, that note there. Yeah, it's such an iconic Australian solo. When he played it at a concert the other night, I nearly teared up. It was so good. But um, uh, this song, uh, Dave says about it. Um, where is his quote? I just had it up here a minute ago. Oh, I got got out of it. Uh, I vowed to myself that I would write less comic narratives, which I think what you alluded to before about the fun aspect of the, uh, especially Stone Age Romeos, but this album too, a little bit. But he'd write less comic narratives and try to express his sentiments in a more forthright way. He, I feel I succeeded with Bittersweet, though at the time I didn't think that A, the band would want to play it, and B, that our audience would want to hear it. I was happily wrong on both counts. So this may never have come come out. Yeah, it, isn't that weird? Yeah, but, yeah. But that's a, that's the thing, and I've said it a lot with the great songwriters: is they don't throw stuff. They'll they'll just do it. They'll barrel their head no matter what. Because sometimes you listen to some lyrics and you think, Jesus Christ, if I wrote that, it'd go in the bin. Yeah, not with this song, but yeah, I know what you mean. Kudos to these guys that just get over themselves and put it out, or at least present it to the band. Because yeah, like you said, like it sounds like he. Just probably wasn't even going to bring it in. Yeah, and I wonder how many gems there are that have ended up in the bin oh, that we've never heard from know. from Don Walker or from whoever. Uh, track two, Poison Pen on given on any given day could very well be my favourite Hoodoo Guru song ever. 
depending on what kind of mood I'm in. This song absolutely tears me in you and I love it. Let's put it on for a sec because it might not be that well known amongst the lay person. concert too he didn't play guitar all through this song just oh. played harmonica and it was fantastic i love harmonica it's such it's a great song poison pen and good luck getting that out of your head for the rest of the day by the <laughs> way because that will stick <laughs> it always does with me I'll, I'll be singing it for the rest of the day no doubt it's, and, kind, of, it's kind of mark kingsmill doing a james baker i was just gonna one. say the exact same oh, thing were you? yeah very, except just it didn't have that element of danger yeah. <laughs> Where it was going to fall over at any second that James kind of had, which, uh, yeah, which might have might have put this, this one to second for me. But uh, Track three, In the Wild, fantastic song. Absolute ball terror. Um, not, not very well known at all, but when you listen to this album, as I'm sure you all will, don't skip that one. And then number four has long been my absolute favourite Hoodoo Guru song. Let's just put it on and not tell anybody what it is. Okay. just that it's a perfect song too it is a perfect song and you know what that the ooey i shouldn't like that 
but I was thinking about this last night. If that wasn't in there, because it could easily, he could easily have written, um, you know, ever since the world began, and then just have the chords, man of sailed the foreign lands, and it'd still yeah. work as a song, but without the UEs. Yeah, well, it's hard to unhear it now, but yeah, and then, when but you just sang it there without them, it sounds weird. The UEs, that's what gets its claws into you. Yeah. He's a genius, Dave Faulkner. Um, and as a harmony aficionado, when those harmonies kick in there on the second verse, I suppose. Oh, the low harmony. Yeah. Brad's, a, a, Brad's the king of it. Are you sure that's Brad, though? It sounds like it might even be Dave no, like doing it. but I, I used to think the same thing, too. But if you listen really close, it's definitely Brad because they do have very similar voices, a, yeah. bit, a bit like um, Guy <coughs> McDonough and... Um, and James and Rain. And James Rain, yeah. Yeah, well, very tricky harmony. That's it's oh, not it's super not tricky. That that's that 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 it stump anybody. Yeah. I reckon because it's not your standard kind of harmony and yeah, like you said it's under. Um and they played obviously they played this at the concert the other night but and I was a bit trepidatious about it because having tried to play this song before live, it's very 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 difficult to play. Because it's got a certain way it has to sit, and if it goes too fast, it's ruined. If it goes too slow, it's ruined, and they ruined it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say, I bet they ruined it. They well, messed they do, up, played it too fast. Well, they messed up the start, and then it went a bit too fast, and you could see Dave panicking, and he kind of brought it, like reined it back in, but it, by that stage, it was just gone, and Brad was having trouble with his guitar. It was, it's one of those songs that if you don't play it 100% correctly... Because it's so perfectly crafted that if you don't get it right, it just, I don't know, it's one of those weird songs, but man, what a song. It's almost like that style of playing's gone by us now. That's yeah. that's swagger. Oh, it's got swa- swagger. It's got, it's got swagger, that and it's, song. Like, do, 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 do. It's like, just the perfect placement. And, you know, like, I'm sure there's probably a little bit of, like, what are they doing replacing... James Baker with this other guy is a lot slicker and a lot more solid, but in that style of song is exactly what you needed. I don't think you could have a James Baker. No, yeah, I playing agree. that song, you know, because it's got that swagger and that. Here's that word again: width, 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 and it's, space. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about width. It's got a lot of space too. If you listen to, um, um, well, yeah, the actual sonics of it. Where that snare drum can cut through as good as it can because they haven't cluttered it up with heaps of guitars. Yeah, and Clyde's bass is very sparse. Yeah. Playing very few notes and letting, like, instead of chugging, he just plays one note. Yeah, dong, yeah. dong, dong, like, like my girl, kind of. Yeah, yeah. That, that style of bass playing really suits as well. And not a lot of bottom end in his sound either. <laughs> it's very chunky and very... Gritty. Well, the production, I was going to mention, the production on this album is very inconsistent. All of the songs sound a little bit different, like they were recorded in different studios and things, but I think might, maybe that's just a, a symptom of the times. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of these albums were recorded in one day kind of thing, some of them. I don't think this is one of them, though. Maybe they came back in the studio a week later and they'd had somebody in in between or something. I don't know. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it is a bit different because, like, like, Wow Wipeout's a completely different sounding song. Just back to Death Define, just for another couple of tidbits, that uh, video for that iconic Australian music video where they're all sitting on a boat drifting down a river in Kakadu National Park. 
and Dave's got his big Akuba on and the rest of the boys just sitting there and they all look really uncomfortable. <laughs> I can't recall that film clip at all. What? Although now that you say it, it does jog my memory that I have seen it, but I'm going to have to go back and check that you know, out. You remember That's... Mark playing playing the drums on the, on uh, the side yeah, of the boat? Yeah. That probably annoyed me back in the day because yeah. it's probably everyone else had guitars and it's like, well, why don't they give that poor bugger a yeah, drum? they give drum him hit. a drum. Give him but a da- stick to hit the bloody trees with or something. Dave's got his sunnies on and his big Akuba and they're just drifting down the river in uh, Kakadu National Park. A beautiful scenery. Fantastic. Oh, well, I, like our listeners, are going to go and check that one out. Cause... And uh, that song is about, and this is what I was talking about before, when you when you find out that um, about Dave's sexuality when you listen to the lyrics of Death Defying, this song was written about the AIDS epidemic and how many oh, mates he lost. Right. All my friends are dead or they're dying. Wow. Yeah, it's Death Defying. Wow. So that adds a whole new wrinkle to that song. What a great song. Yeah. I love it so much. Oh, and I will, I will, well, I, I have done in the past. I don't do any more since I quit my drinking ways, but I used to, <laughs> I, I would punish anyone who, came, <laughs> anyone who came near me about that song uh, at the pub. I would punish. Oh, well, I do that without even being drunk. Don't you punish people about songs? No, oh, not, not God, so much anymore. Oh. But Jesus, I used to be a shocker for it. I remember like, forcing people to sit around the jukebox, <laughs> putting stuff on and giving them a lecture. As if I was a music professor, uh, yeah, like like Wow Wipeout, um, as you say, what a absolute banger! Those first five songs are just perfect. Um, like Wow Wipeout is a huge hit um, for them, and an, and a live favourite, uh, a bit of a sort of a throwback song. That one, isn't it? Um, yeah, like to a, a rock and roll kind of era. Yeah, did they have surf roots? Not really. No, no. they weren't surfies, were they? Definitely, some of their songs are surf. Influenced, but there's not not a big surfy culture in Perth, is there? No, and then it should be like with the beaches that we got, but maybe we don't have enough breaks, like yeah, enough no waves. Yeah. yeah, that's and even Sydney, if you're not in the right area of Sydney, there's no surf culture. You have to be above uh, uh, north of the bridge, whereas these boys were firmly ensconced in the um, inner city. Yeah, that's not like they were prancing about a provoker <laughs> or anything with the big waves up that way. Getting dumped on their heads. Yeah. Uh, what else is on this album? The whole the Show whole album. Emotion. Oh, fantastic! Banger. The whole album is uh, written by Dave, incidentally, except for the very last song, "Mars Needs Guitars." Mars Needs Guitars, which is all of them, I think, is credited. And Brad sings that, doesn't he? Uh, I think all of them have a bit of a sing on that. But James has got a credit on that, which uh, I presume has kept him in <laughs> kept him in long necks over the years. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know how James is going with the mailbox money. He must get something, but... Well, he must, because this is a big seller back in the day. Let's see where it got to on the charts. Uh, Australia got to number five, New Zealand 18, uh, United States 140, and Sweden 47. So, so, so hoodoo gurus resonate with the Swedes for some reason. Yeah, that's strange, <laughs> isn't that's it? a weird one. Yeah. Swedes like Australians. Any Swedes out there listening, get in touch with us and let us know why. Uh, yeah, you're right. Brad Shepard did sing Mars Need Guitars, but they've got um, they've got other. There's like all of them have a bit of a background vocal on there. The title Mars Needs Guitars comes from an old B movie, I think, which is Mars Needs Women. Yeah, yeah. But Mars Needs Guitars, what a great title for an album! <laughs> great cover art too. Great cover art. Everything about this album, fantastic. Anyway, um, all right. Well, that's your number one and my number two. So. Yeah. 
Very close. So we'll get to the other album, which is Stone Age Romeos. Well, that was my number one. Tell me why you've got Stone Age Romeos at number one. <laughs> I just love it. It's just a fun album. And yeah, maybe, uh, well, it's got, it's got, it's got, I don't know. You could probably catch me on a different day and it wouldn't be, but I love I Want You Back. And I love My Girl, of course. My Girl, and maybe I'm, I'm sure My Girl was actually the first time I ever heard of him. And of course, we're talking about, well, let's just put it on, we'll talk about that for a second, because this is probably the biggest hit off this album, I would say. I'm a bit guilty of uh, sometimes I'll skip that one because I, I've heard it so much. But when you hear it again, when you put your yeah, critical you listening think, ears Jesus on, Jesus Christ, that's such that, a good song. That little guitar, that ticka 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 ticka, and there's yeah. that doom 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 doom, like going through, which almost sounds like a keyboard, but I presume it's a guitar. Well, it's got it? a synth bass in there as well. Oh that yeah, you listen so, really close. Yeah. So so this is their first album. Yeah, well that's and so you don't you don't really. I could easily have this at number one, easily. You don't really expect that kind of sophistication from a 1984 debut album, do you? From a bunch of blokes that, like, James Baker looked like Captain Caveman back there, and I'm pretty sure going fairly hard. And Well, you can see where Tumbleweed got their look from. <laughs> yeah, and so for them to come up with a sophisticated pop song like that, you know, with all the backing vocals and the guitar orchestration and that little riff that's going all the way through it, it's pretty astounding, really. It, and it's a classic case, of, uh, classic example of a don't bore us, get to the chorus. Yeah, well, see, that's where they kind of, it's a little different where they must have, because, that, yeah, that one, they're straight into it, whereas later on, they kind of, and maybe that's what grabs me, is that, yeah, it's a little bit more immediate. But... Uh, that, that but sorry back back to the film clip that's of yeah. course the film clip where he's got the greyhound and i'm sure people think that he's singing about a dog which well, he might very well be i don't know <laughs> like, there's a quote here from dave saying to this day people <laughs> insist that the song was written about a dog <laughs> the truth is it was meant to be part of a never made home movie a tribute to 60s beach movies entitled gidget goes ape um because <laughs> i think kimball rendell who was the original one of the original members? He went on to be a film 
can't remember what his exact job was, but he worked on The Matrix. He's very famous now. Oh. Yeah. Uh, what is he? A, he's a direct, uh, second, unit, second unit director on The Matrix. Oh, wow. So yeah. he's a big big deal. And you know what? I'm sure I've met Kimball Rendell, but I can't for the life of me think where or when or why. Yeah, but, I've got no connection at all to Hoodoo Gurus apart from meeting James Baker. Yeah. Uh, Dave says, it's a love song about love songs, a tribute to 60s boy-girl love songs, and I felt bad some people would get quite sad about it, but it was just a joke. Uh, it's always been our unofficial anthem, says Dave. We love to play it whenever we felt an audience was too comfortable during a show. Um, it was the first of what we call our punishment songs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, sorry, that was talking about Be My Guru. That's oh, a, yeah, right. that was yeah. the B-side. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, right. Yeah, so, yeah, and it's, and, yeah, it's just Australia all over that film clip, it isn't is, it? I don't I'm, think there's a more Australian film clip ever. I was just going to say He's that. He's in that pub and, ah, oh, geez, they're the pubs that you grew up with when, if you're an 80s kid, like we are. Oh, we are technically born in the 70s, but, well, not technically, well, we were born in the 70s, but... The 80s was where you kind of... Well, I was only two in the 70s. I only huh. had two years of the 70s, but yeah, but that's kind of like almost our childhood, some of those places, yeah. the Greyhound races and those pubs. and It was filmed yeah. in Glebe and Wentworth Park, if you know Sydney very well, uh, and the pub was the Central Markets Hotel in Darling Harbour. Oh, so it wouldn't be there anymore. <laughs> No, it's not. It's uh, next to what's now the pump house. Do you know the pump house? Oh, there? Yeah, that horrible, awful horrible joint. joint. Yeah. Why couldn't they have left the bloody... What's the pub called? The Central Market Hotel. Oh, wonderful place. Good old-fashioned Australian used to just place. hose them out at the end of the night because they were tiled. Uh, <laughs> so that's your... That's your, what you, is that your favourite song on this album? Yeah, well, actually, no. My favourite song on this album... Let me just play it, because this might surprise you. an absolute beauty yeah what an absolute if that doesn't bring a smile to your face then you're dead behind the eye you're dead behind the heart there's you've a, got no heart there's a quote from a really famous some rolling stone journalist i think that says that if you don't like hoodoo gurus you just don't like rock and roll oh or right I, yeah and that, well you don't know how to smile you don't have a smile in your heart if you don't like that <laughs> they gave me a plane i couldn't fly at home <laughs> <laughs> they taught me how to take off and not how to land. Like, what are you thinking when you think that up? Like, what a what a great songwriting device. Yeah. Has anyone ever written about that? Like, that that's a crowd favourite. That one. Oh, people, is it? Yeah, they played that the other night. It's um, people love that. So I love it too. That's my second favourite. Well, this. it's only got one hundred and seventy thousand listens on Spotify. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, that's one that that's one that you always hear people when they want to show you how big a Hoodoo Guru fan they are. They oh. always pull that one out. Is that a deep cut? Yeah, very deep. Eleven track eleven on the first album. Really? That's about as deep as you get. Oh, I would have thought that'd be a hit. <laughs> it's a smash hit in my eyes. That's a great rock and roll song, isn't it? And what not a not the obvious three chord. Uh, you know, well, twelve that, bar kind of thing. Yeah, either. there's it's that got sophistication some, that I'm talking yeah. about for a first album. It's quite astounding, really. Like, uh, can we let, let's have a listen to "Let's All Turn On" the first track? Okay, I want to talk about that. You stopped it before the best bit. Oh, hang on, I'll put it back on again. Says blue suede shoes, and then the real deep voice goes. I love that bit. Well, see, no, I'm usually not a fan of that two four do ta do ta do ta like kind of beat, but James Baker's the king of it, I reckon. Well, that's the There's difference no between, can, yeah, yeah. between him and Mark is yeah. James swings. He, yeah, and that's yeah because I know on um, Mars these guitars, there's a couple of those do ta do ta like umpa kind of beats that Mark. Just doesn't quite do it for me, but James, yeah, he's the he's the guy. Yeah. He's the guy. Yeah, this this album is the swingingest of all the Hoodoo Gurus albums because of James Baker, and it's very rock and roll. Yeah, like you say, uh, way then, more dangerous. Yeah, but then there's that sophistication. So it's a it's a, it's a funny one. It's a funny yeah. And um, so then that's followed by "I Want You Back," which is another one of their big. Well, we've got to have a listen to this because okay. yeah.
They caught James on a good day there because there's no <laughs> danger. It's actually really polished and and I'm not definitely not having a go. Like, I love the way he plays. But, yeah, sometimes you can hear him kind of wobbling. That's oh, really? I can't hear it. I th- yeah, I not think in that song. Not. Like, there's a couple of songs where it's like he's a bit wobbly. <laughs> it might have been recorded later in the day. But, uh, yeah, geez, what a song that is, I Want You Back. And again, sophisticated. Oh, very, very, very sophisticated. See, that song should have that song should have pushed them into worldwide stardom, yeah. I reckon, because that's again, as good a song as you'll ever hear. Exactly. Mm. Just wonderful stuff. Uh, all um, those on, oh, are you talking about well, that yeah, one still? No, no, I'm, just, um, I'm trying to think what I was going to say. Oh, my favourite song. When you said yours, I was a kamikaze pilot. That that's could be, but Arthur is mine. Well, the third song. I love Arthur. I love Arthur. <laughs> and I think I reckon mental as anything. Owe them, yes. Owe them some money because of Nigel. Exactly. Jeez, oh, we're on on the same page. That bloody six six month layoff has really done <laughs> us a world of good. Because uh, you keep taking words right out of my mouth. Oh, meatloaf, meatloaf. Style. That's funny. I listened to that song the other day. I had a real <laughs> hankering for meatloaf. Isn't that weird? Jeez, that's a good song. Speaking too. of good songs, I know. Isn't oh, that a ball Jeez, I had a real hankering. You look through my Spotify history. It was a hot summer <laughs> night. And I listened to that song about five times in a row, just going, holy shit, listen to this thing. <laughs> well, let's put Arthur on because it's a deep enough cut. It's only got well, 280 listens. This one is the one that James swings the most on. Right, let's listen. Nigel died yesterday, so they yeah. owe they owe money. Such a great chorus that and I it, love it. Yeah, so what we're talking about with James there swinging is is so that's the shuffle beat. So based on triplets, one triplet, and you take out the middle one. But he does this thing where it's like, and that little backbeat just before the turnaround is actually not where it should be. Oh, okay. So that's why it that's why it's got that lope to it that yeah. egg rolling down a hill kind of feel to it because it's not in the it's not in the triplet 
realm. It's, it's in the so ape good. note realm. So if, if you want to get real nerdy about it, and, and I'm sure it's unintentional. I don't think he actually sat down and said, okay, I'm going to play it like this. How good Dave's voice on that too. He, he came out fully formed, didn't he? I suppose he'd been playing around a lot before that in punk bands and cover bands. But, man, his, his voice on this album is just straight out of the gate. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And let's touch on – so Paul Kelly's a good – like one of the great yarn songs. We call them yarn songs, you know, where there's a story and that's Dave Dave Faulkner's as good a yarn Oh, absolutely. As good a yarn spinner as anybody. Especially on, on the next one I want to mention, Tojo. Tojo. Well that was a bit of a hit for him and I suppose they played that at the concert, did they? Absolutely. One of the highlights. the floor tom on the on the chorus yeah those little diddle, diddle, little fills and stuff like that and you can tell he's there's an element of danger there because that that's up there that tempo it's a tricky tempo to play that he holds it though yeah yeah okay. oh, great <laughs> uh tojo of course refers to world war Two japanese general and prime minister hideki tojo yeah. um and this was the first uh first we heard from clyde bramley and brad shepherd this song um Bramley, bass player, obviously, and Brad Shepard, the guitar player. So it was a fair introduction from those two because it's great guitar work. Like you get that sort of uh, Eastern sounding, um, bang, 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 bang. Uh, of course, used to famous effect on the <laughs> the uh, smash hit turning Japanese. <laughs> turning Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> well, they probably owe, owe the gurus some money too because yeah. it's very similar. Um, mm. Tojo was an answer song to the Australian hit of a few few years earlier, Santa Never Made It to Darwin, which oh. if you've ever heard that, is an absolute pile of shit <laughs> as far as Australian novelty songs go. But for those of you that aren't Australian, there's, there's, especially back in this era, and it, I'm sure it continues to this day, but it, it thankfully out of my radar now, just songs by cheesy Australian Usually country artists. Yeah, there was Australia oh was my rife, God. rife with bloody <laughs> novelty acts, wasn't it? And people used to love buying them on seven-inch singles and putting them on at Christmas time uh, and annoying and just punishing everybody. I can't remember Santa. Ne- I can remember Santa Never Stops in Summer Bay No More by oh. Lance and Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Another novelty. Oh, my God. Probably made it on the charts from home and away, but oh, anyway, we anyway, digress. That but, had been released to raise money for the victims of Cyclone Tracy, which is referenced oh. in this song. 
um, Tracy, Tracy was angry. Uh, oh, is that what the Tracy yes. was? There you go. I've been listening to this song for ages and I didn't know who Tracy was. There you go. Uh, that had almost destroyed Darwin on Christmas Eve 1975. During World War II, the Japanese army invaded New Guinea but failed to reach Darwin. Oh, sorry, Australia, thanks to the heroic mm. resistance. However, Darwin was bombed heavily and often. That's the background of Tojo. Right. Fantastic song. What a great, what a banger. Thank you, Dave. Uh, and then uh, in the, the, the there's no bad songs on this album, not one. Well, there's nothing that doesn't make you want to smile, and that's what it's all about for me nowadays. Is it just makes me smile, makes me happy. <laughs> just, it's a happy album. You want to smile in your heart at all times, don't you? <laughs> well, you do. Yeah. There's too much, too much people walking around without a smile in their heart. Anyway, I suppose that brings an end to our. Hoodoo Gurus episode of Oz Rock Rated. Sorry it took so long. What Probably my fault. Fantastic time I've had again. Well, I, oh, I always forget what a wonderful time I have doing these. It's definitely worth the work. It is, isn't it? It is. It doesn't take much. Well, it does, getting through 10 <laughs> albums. But then there are a lot of albums I don't get past the first three songs or whatever. And I just it, a little light bulb went off. And maybe that's why I don't like the lighter ones, because Dave's run out of yarns. I think it takes you a, a, a little bit longer when you're not 100% enamoured with a certain band, like like you were with the, mm. the Hoodoo Gurus or Hoodoo Gurus. Yeah, well... But like. that's fair enough. Like, I'd struggle to listen to 10 Steely Dan albums. Yeah, that's true. Probably wouldn't. <laughs> TVH. <laughs> well, they're not Australian, they're not Oz, and they're not rock. Yeah, well, true. I think we've got a fair idea what our next episode's going to be on, or which band is going to feature, because we had a lovely message from our friend Blair, who wrote in to say how much he's enjoying Oz Rock Rated, and maybe we should get our asses into gear and record something new, and we did. Well, it just gave Blair lots of time to go back and yeah. really immerse himself in all the other episodes, and that's the beauty about this podcast. You can listen to it whenever you like. True. And if you do enjoy it, please feel free to drop us a line and tell us uh, what you enjoyed, what you didn't enjoy, what you think we should, who we should, you think we should cover soon. Yeah. Next. Something that gives you a smile in your heart. We'll even write back, because we did write back, we didn't did. we? Yeah, you've been very good at We're getting back to our fan. We're friendly boys. Yeah. Uh, Very approachable, fellas. Yeah, and thank you most of all to Australian Rock, and in this particular case, Hoodoo Gurus, for being Australian AF and writing impeccable pop slash rock music. Wonderful stuff. I've really enjoyed this little... How good's being Australian? You know what I'm going to do now? It's the best. I'm going to go home and eat Vegemite on toast and watch the cricket. Oh, it doesn't get much more Australian than that. No, and it's a bit cliched, but that's what but we do. But that's what we do. And well, that's, no, it is what we do. It's, it's exactly what I feel like doing right now. <laughs> yeah, I've got some little things with um, hundreds and thousands on them that your daughter dropped around, little finger buns. Do you get finger buns anywhere but Australia? Oh. I bet you don't. Are you going to put like a, about a teeth width of butter on them? <laughs> of course I am, because <laughs> I'm Australian. I'm going to have a cup of tea. And I'm oh. going to watch the cricket. And I'm going to have some Vegemite too, buddy. Hell, Vegemite on toast. White, uh, white bread. You rarely find a better snack than Vegemite on toast. You or know saladas. What, you know t- uh, tweeted the other day, Vegemite is king? Who? Flea from the Red Hot Chili Did Peppers. He, well, he's Australian he, anyway. He is he? born in Melbourne. Oh, no. Born, yeah, I think yeah. he's born in Melbourne. Um, Wonderful. 
but it sparked a huge debate on Twitter. Yeah, oh, because people don't know how to eat it right. The Americans think that you have a big spoonful of it. Yeah, but he, he, he dissed Marmite, which, yeah, which oh, might, won't make enough. the Kiwis happy. Uh, is it Kiwi, is it? Well, not really. No, it's English, English. But the Kiwis prefer Marmite over Vegemite, I think, mm. just to distinguish themselves. But actually, while I mention <laughs> Kiwis, do you think, well, let us know yeah. right in. Do you think we should include Kiwi bands in Oz Rock Rated? Because we think we should. We well, should. I, I reckon we should too. Well, what about bands like Crowded House? So, incidentally, I'm going to see tomorrow night. Really? Yeah. Uh, are they? Would, should they be considered Australian because they have more Australian members than Kiwis? Well, not these days, but they did back in the heyday. Well, of course they should. I and think we, we need to include Dragon. We should be doing My Sex. Oh, yes. Well, we My should. Sex only had one album. <laughs> Well, that's an easy one. Then we should be doing She Had. Yeah. They're rock. We should, well, we could do a My Sex episode and just talk about that one album for two hours because yeah. I could do that. Well, like this, there's plenty of Australians in My Sex nowadays. There's buddy Travis. G'day, Trav. What about, I grew up with Trav. What about Men at Work? Should an album, should a career of three oh. albums be covered on Ozrock Rated? Of course it should. Bloody hell, how yeah. did I forget about them? Because I've listened to nothing but them in the last couple of weeks. Of course it should. Extraordinary well, band. Go. Well, there's one we could knock off tomorrow, Arvo. And pretty much featuring zero Australians. Scots. Oh, no, Greg Ham was Australian. See, there's a lot to cover there. A lot of tragedy. Yeah, a lot of right bloody... In. Ron Strickett threatened to kill Colin Hay the other day. Did he? Yeah. Oh, Ron. We're talking about Australian guitar players that just ruled the earth for a good two or three years. Ron Strickett. And nobody's ever heard of the bloke. Oh, you could trip you over go. him walking down the street and you wouldn't even know who Ron was. Bloody hell. Isn't that, isn't that, see, that's a travesty that has to be rectified mm. on Oz Rock Rated. <sighs> Anywho, Hello. thanks for listening. See, <laughs> we'll you. see you next time. Yeah, um, we're getting a, <coughs> excuse me, a slight increase in the number of doses that we'll be getting to the state.